0: Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today's episode is a solo episode and it is based off an awful lot of questions that are coming into my DMs and a lot of the interactions that I have with clients on a daily basis, which is regarding to the pill, the pros, the cons, the differences on each one, what the benefits are to each one, the impacts it has on each one, the impact it can have on libido, digestion, all these things. So the first thing that I want to say is the pill is a personal choice before I go any further. This is not to any medical advice that has been given. I am just giving you the basics. This episode could be on for a long time so I might split it into two. So I have a few notes in front of me in regarding to it but if it's, it could this, you could end up listening to this in two parts, you could listen to it in three parts or four parts, whatever it may be, but I'm going to record it all in one. If I send it out all in one, happy days. If I send it out in two parts, that's the reason for it because it may be too much because generally the sweet point for podcasts, what i found is about 40 to 60 minutes is generally what people are going for walks for. If it goes longer than that, you know why. So before I go any further, I want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast over the last little while and... The guests that have come on, the likes of Brett Contreras, the likes of Dara Stewart, the likes of Rebecca King, the likes of Johan Harry, which was a, a massive one. And then we've got Sarah Butler, we've got Catherine Stewart, we've got Cathy Monahan, we've had Brian Keenan, we've had Carl Henry on. So there's, there's massive guests coming on and they're all bringing different elements and their specialisation into things, which is hugely exciting. And they're all practical tips. So if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, we will do it. So if there's anything that comes up on a QA or anything like that, I and don't be surprised if it comes up on the Coach's Corner. If there's anything that you want on the Coach's Corner cover, just DM me and go from there. We're also we are also increasing our capacity for the amount of clients that we are working with. So Jane, Dallas and myself are increasing the capacity who we are working with so if someone is looking for a sustainable effort in relation to weight loss that they will be backed up that they're not looking for a quick fix because that's what most people want unfortunately it's just the way that, that, that the, the country the culture works we won't provide a quick fix unless that person is in the position if we're trying to if someone's a yo-yo dieter and they're looking to change 30 40 years of habits and they're looking to change that in 12 weeks it can happen but it's very difficult to happen so we will work with the individual on an individual basis. If someone's stress eating, we can help. If emotional eating, Dallas is working, working with binge eating as well and eating disorders at this stage, but we are we are opening up more slots. So if you are interested in working with us, or else it's with hypothetical menorrhea, uh, or else if it's with PCOS or any female health issues, please do kind of reach out to us, pop us a DM, and we're more than happy to have a initial consultation and we can kind of go from there. We do have the nutrition consulta- consultation for a one-off call if you want. I think that's 80 euro. And then we have, if someone's look, work, looking to work with us on a one-to-one basis for a minimum 12-week sign-up, we do have a free consultation there. So before I, like as I go into this now, so it could be a two-hour episode, it could be a four-hour episode, I don't know. Um. So the big thing about the pill is that like women's health and kind of female empowerment is... It's amazing to see that it's at an all-time high and long may it continue. So many more women are taking control of their bodies and understanding how their bodies work for them. So one of the biggest topics right now is whether women should take the pill or should stop it completely. So women have faced a long history of discrimination when it comes to birth control. Up until the mid-20th century, women were largely expected to stay at home and produce children whilst their husbands were out at work. And that dynamic has completely changed now. They had little control over when they became pregnant or even when owned to, even to own their own bodies. So something needed to change. So after being created in the late 1940s in Mexico City by Dr. Carl Gerassi, it took a while for the other governments like those in the UK and Ireland to actually take notice. So the pill was first introduced in the UK in the early 1960s and after clinical trials in London, Birmingham and Slough. Around this time, the UK Health Minister Enoch Powell announced that married women who wish to use oral contraceptives will be able to access it through the NHS which is a health system over in the UK. So at first, contraception advice was only given to older married women who no longer wanted to have children or those whose health would be at serious risk during pregnancy. So in 1967, I think it was, the NHS NHS Planning Act was passed which recognised that unwanted children in low-income households caused a serious financial strain for those families. And as a result, the oral contraceptive pill became more widely available on the NHS and the FPA, which is the Family Planning Association, and they were able to provide the use of it in their clinics. In Ireland, uh, a highly controversial vote on 20th of February 1985, the Irish government defied the powerful Catholic Church and approved the set of contraceptives. So up until 1979, Irish law. Uh, prohibited the importation and sales of contraceptives. As you can see, it hasn't been really that long since the bans were lifted and it is only now that more and more important information the empowerment of women has been published and publicised, which is huge. These have been massive radical movements for women and just, it, it, it can't stop. So the type of birth control you use is a personal decision. There are many options to choose from. If you're a sexually active female, you may consider birth control pills or get your partner to use condoms. So birth control pills are are called oral contraceptives or medication you may take them by the mouth to prevent pregnancy. They're an effective method of birth control. Knowing how the various types of the actual birth control cannot be downplayed and you need to know which one suits you and which one is beneficial for you. It is also important to communicate with your partner if you feel comfortable to do so with that family decision. You ultimately have the final say as it's your body and please don't forget that. Men can wear condoms too. So please note, You will not ovulate if you are on the pill and this may prevent pregnancy but can come with other caveats including bone density later in life or lack of bone density later in life. It is important to know what you're putting into your body and be aware of what each pill or contraception does and the impact it has on your body. These are not real hormones so it will not be better than your own hormones. They are not as good as a real thing for your body. So what we're going to talk about now is the actual different types of birth control. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the combination pill. So the combination pills contain synthetic or man-made forms of the hormones oestrogen and the synthetic version is estradiol, and progestin, which is the synthetic version of progesterone. It's important to note that progestin isn't the same as your hormones progesterone, which is your calming hormone. I compare this to putting unleaded petrol into a diesel car. Progesterone is the naturally occurring hormone in the body which originates from the ovaries and has various duties in the reproduction and menstrual cycles. Progestin is a synthetic, lab-created hormone that is meant to mimic progesterone and act as it does in the body. The main difference between the two is that progesterone is naturally occurring and while progestin is similar, it is not identical. So most pills in each cycle are active, which means they contain hormones. The remaining pills are inactive, which means they don't contain hormones. So there are several types of combination pills. There's monophasic and these are used in one month cycles and each active pill gives you the same dose of hormone. During the last week of the cycle, you take inactive pills and you have your period. There's multiphasic pills. These are used in one month cycles and provide different levels of hormones during the cycle. During the last week of the cycle, you take inactive, pills and have your period and then there's the extended cycle pills and these are typically used in 13 week cycles so you take active pills for 12 weeks and during the last week of the cycle you take inactive pills and have your period as a result you have your period only three to four times per year so examples of brand names of combination pills include the likes of Bayaz, Lavora, Yasmin, Brenda and Yaz so They are the main ones. So then we've got the progestin-only pills or the mini-pill is the other word for it as well. So progestin-only pills contain progestin without oestrogen. So oestrogen is your female hormone. Think of it like your hormone that makes you feel like Beyonce. It is your hormone that peaks at ovulation that allows you to ovulate. This type of pill is also called the mini-pill. And progestin-only pills may be a good choice for women who can't take take oestrogen for health or other reasons. With these progestin-only pills, all pills in the cycle are active. There are no inactive pills, so you may or may not have appeared while taking progestin-only pills. So examples of these are called Camilla, Erin, Heather, NorQD. So there's a, there's a few of them there as well. So the next one is the vaginal ring or the NuvaRing. So the vaginal ring is a small, soft, plastic ring that you place inside your vagina. It releases a continuous dose of the hormones estrogen and progestin, into your bloodstream, which prevents the release of the egg each month. It also thickens the cervical mucus, which makes it more difficult for sperm to move through the actual cervix and thins the lining of the womb so a fertilized egg is less likely to implant itself. You can start using the vaginal ring at any time during your menstrual cycle if you're not pregnant. The standard way to use the ring is you leave it in for 21 days, then remove it and have a seven day ring free break. You're protected against pregnancy during the ring-free break, after the seven-day break, then you need to put a new ring in for another 21 days. You can also choose to have a shorter ring-free break or not to have a break at all. You'll be protected against pregnancy straight away if you insert the first five days of your period, the first five days of your menstrual cycle. That's what, they, that's what the first five days are. So talk to a GP or a nurse about whether you need additional contraception if you have a very short cycle or an irregular cycle there's a reason generally if you have a very short cycle something isn't firing or the stress or whatever it may be and in a regular cycle there's generally a feedback going on that you need to get that addressed to. Some evidence has shown that the ring comes with a higher risk of blood clots uh, because the ethanol estradiol goes directly into the blood without first passing through your liver. This should be discussed in detail with your doctor when discussing your options. So the next option that we have is the contraceptive patch and this is a small sticky patch that releases similar hormones to that of the combine, combined pill. So in the, in the UK and Ireland the patch's name is Evra. So when used correctly the patch is more than 99% effective at preventing pregnancy. Each patch lasts for one week. You change the patch every week for three weeks then have a week off without a patch. If you have a heavier painful periods the patch can help but you need to talk to your doctor on this. The patch releases a daily dose of hormones through the skin into the bloodstream to prevent pregnancy. It contains the same hormones as the combined pill, estradiol and progestin, and it works in the same way by preventing the release of an egg each month, which is called ovulation. It is important to note that the patch can raise your blood pressure and some women can get temporary side effects such as headaches. Some women develop a blood clot and it may not be suitable for women who smoke are over 35 or who weigh over roughly around 90 kg or 14 stone. But, It is important to know that the patch does not protect against STIs or sexually transmitted infections so you may need to use condoms as well a very small number of the people using the patch may develop a blood clot in a vein or an artery don't use the patch if you've had a clot before so you would have to talk to your doctor about this option so the next option that we have is the contraceptive implant so the contraceptive implant or next plan on is a small flexible rod, plastic rod that's placed under the skin in your upper arm by a doctor or a nurse. It releases the hormone progestin into your bloodstream to prevent pregnancy and lasts for three years. They contain either the progestin, levonorgestrel, or ethanogesterol. It also thickens the cervical mucus, which makes it more difficult for sperm to move through the cervix and thins the lining of the womb. So a fertilized egg is less likely to implant itself. It can be useful for women who can't use contraception that contains oestrogen the implant can be taken out if you are having side effects it's very useful for women who find it difficult to remember to take a pill at the same time every day a common side effect is that your periods stop which is called amenorrhea and it's not harmful but you may want to consider this before deciding to have an implant one of the common things that, I, that is seen is your periods may become irregular lighter heavier or longer so it's important to talk to your gp if this is happening so then the next one is the injection, the progestin only. The contraceptive injection or the Deep Rivera releases the hormone progestin into your bloodstream to prevent pregnancy. So Deep Rivera is the most commonly given name to it and lasts for around 13 weeks. The contraceptive injection steadily releases the hormone progestin into your bloodstream, which prevents the release of the egg each month, which. Where ovulation occurs it also thickens the cervical mucus which makes it difficult for sperm to move through the cervix and thins the lining of the womb so a fertilized egg is less likely to implant itself you usually have the deeper vera injections in your bottom but can be they can be put into your upper arm too there's a small risk of infection at the side of the injection so in very rare cases some people may have an allergic reaction to the actual injection itself so using the deeper vera affects your actual natural estrogen levels, which can cause thinning of the bones, but it does not increase your risk of breaking a bone. This is not a problem for most women because the bone replaces itself when you stop the injection, and it does not appear to cause any long-term problems. Another thing to note is that some people may put on weight when they use depo provera or the cyanopress contraceptive injections. But once again, this is not fat gain. So I'll talk about later on whether the pill increases fat gain. So some, re- or weight gain, should I say. So some research shows that it can be associated with an increase in the risk of breast cancer, but sometimes the doctor may recommend that you stop after two years so there's no long-term effect on your bones. It's very useful for women who find it difficult to remember to take a pill at the very same day. Once again, go to talk to your doctor. Hormonal IUD, the Marina or the Skyla. Mirena and Skyla are hormonal inuterine devices, or the IUD, that can provide long-term birth control or contraception. The device is a T-shaped plastic frame that's inserted into the uterus where it releases a type of the the hormone progestin to prevent pregnancy they thicken mucus in the cervix to stop sperm from reaching or fertilizing an egg and thin the lining of the uterus and partially suppresses ovulation but not as often as other progestin only methods the hormonal iud suppresses ovulation in 85 85 of cycles in the first year but then only 15 percent of cycles after that there has been some research that the hormonal IUD has been linked to depression and may reduce your ability to cope with stress. More research is needed on this to give it a definitive link. So please don't jump to conclusions. Because of these non conceptual benefits, Marina is often prescribed for women with heavy menstrual bleeding, cramping or painful periods, endometriosis, endometrial hyperplasia, uh, abnormal growth of uterine lining tissue in the muscular wall of the actual uterus, anemia, and fibroids. So Marina isn't appropriate for everyone. Your healthcare provider may discourage you from using Marina if you have had breast cancer or breast cancer in the family, uterine or cervical cancer, liver disease, uterine or abnormalities, a pelvic infection, or a current pelvic inflama- inflammatory disease and unexplained vaginal bleeding. Tell your healthcare provider if you take any medications, including non-prescription or herbal products, have diabetes or high blood pressure, have a heart condition or have had a heart attack, have migraines, have blood clotting problems or have had a stroke. And recently gave birth or, or you are breastfeeding so with the most common birth control you bleed but you don't get a cycle that's the biggest thing it's a withdrawal bleed that's what's happening it's withdrawing of the actual artificial hormones that's what's happening so with the marina iud you cycle but you don't bleed as the marina does not completely suppress ovulation it may be the least harmful of all birth control so copper iud So an IUD is a small T-shaped plastic and copper device that's put into your womb or your uterus by a doctor or a nurse. It releases copper to stop you getting pregnant and protects against pregnancy for between 5 to 10 years, I think it is. It's it's sometimes called a coil or a copper coil. So an IUD can be fitted at any time during your menstrual cycle as long as you're not pregnant. You'll be protected against pregnancy straight away. The IUD is similar to the the in-uterine device or the system, the IUS, but instead of releasing the hormone progesterone, like the IUS, the IUD releases copper into the womb. So the copper alters the cervical mucus, which makes it more difficult for sperm to reach an egg and survive. It can also stop a fertilized egg from being able to implant itself. So if you're 40 or over, Uh, when you have your IUD fitted it can be left in until you reach the menopause or no longer need the actual contraception itself so your IUD IUD can be removed at any time by a trained doctor or nurse. If you're not having another IUD put in and do not want to get pregnant use additional contraception such as condoms for seven days before you have it removed. It's possible to get pregnant as soon as the IUD has been taken out so that's that's a caveat if you're not looking to get pregnant. So two of the major advantages of using the non-hormonal IUD is there are no normal side effects such as acne, headaches or breast tenderness, and there's no evidence that the IUD would affect your weight or increase the risk of cervical cancer, womb, uterus cancer or ovarian cancer. There are a couple of warnings with this method though and we have to look into those with that your periods can be heavier, longer or more painful in the first three to six months after an IUD is put in. You might get spotting or bleeding between periods. The other one is that there's a small chance the IUD can be rejected or expelled by the womb or it can move or become displaced. Mm. So if you're suffering from bloating, it is a normal side effect. But if it is occurring six months after insertion, it could do no harm in talking to your doctor to see if everything is okay and it hasn't been displaced. Mm. If this happens, it's usually soon after it's been fitted. You'll be taught how to check that your IUD is in place. And then the last one is... or one of the last ones I think is condom so the condoms are the only type of contraception that can both prevent pregnancy and against STIs or sexually transmitted diseases or infections when used correctly every time you have sex male condoms are about 98% effective so if you think of the episode of Friends where Joey hears about this he freaks out so it's yeah, 98% effective so condoms are a barrier method of contraception they are made of a very thin latex rubber um, and are designed to prevent pregnancy by stopping sperm from meeting an egg. So one of the main advantages of a condom is when it is used correctly and consistently is that they are a reliable method of preventing pregnancy and protecting both partners from STIs, including chlamydia, gonorrhea, and HIV. Like anything, there are also some disadvantages of condoms. Some couples find that using condoms interrupts sex to get, this around, to get around this, try to make condoms and putting them on as a bit of foreplay and make a game out of it. Another disadvantage is that condoms are very strong or, or, or may not be very strong and may split or tear But if they're not used properly. It is important to note once again that a condom is the most reliable form of birth control as they are the only type of contraception that can bu- prevent both from pregnancy and STIs. The pill or the contraception that you choose is personal choice and it is important that you're aware of the best type for you and talk to your doctor. So the next section is going to be talking about what are some of the main Uh, risks and side effects of hormonal birth control so i'm gonna it is essential that you kind of know these Uh, i don't want this to be deterring anyone to be going to get one or getting hormonal birth control there are positives and negatives to everything that we do Uh, so i want to make sure that there are caveats out there but it isn't like it's not a death sentence so there can be a link to cancer so taking the combined pill uh, may Slightly increase the risk of breast cancer compared to people who are not taking it. Even though we've kind of seen many kind of technological advancements over the years with hormonal contraceptives, a 2017 study showed that modern methods may carry the same cancer risks as the whole the old high dose estrogen pills. But it's important to remember that there are other things that have a big effect on breast cancer. For example, being overweight or obese increases the risk of breast cancer more than the, taking the pill does. So we can't blame the pill solely. When you stop taking the pill, your breast cancer risk stops increasing after about 10 years. Uh, after About 10 years after stopping, a person's risk is no longer affected. So there's blood clots, which I've spoken about as well. So serious risk of kind of using birth control pills, especially combination pills, is an increased risk of blood clots. This can lead to DVT, heart attack, stroke, uh, pulmonary embolisms. But overall, the kind of like the risk of a blood clot from using any of the birth control is, is low. According to the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, out of 10,000 women, fewer than 10 will develop a blood clot after taking combination pill for a year. This risk is still lower than the risk of developing a blood clot during pregnancy immediately after giving birth. So however, the risk of a blood clot from the pill is higher for certain women. women. These kind of include women who are overweight, have high blood pressure and are on bed rest for long periods as well. So if any of these apply to you, talk with your doctor and link in about the risks that are kind of for each kind of using birth control. There's there's depression. So depression and mood swings are commonly reported as side effects of birth control pills. Researchers have been unable to prove or disprove the link. The research is often kind of conflicting out there. Like most things, there's, there's rarely a definitive in any nutrition or anything like that. So t- 2007 studies show that depression is the most common reason women stop using birth control pills. It also found women using combination birth control pills were significantly more depressed than a similar group of women not taking the pills. There may be a link to the fact that your natural hormones are not at play. So your estrogen, which is your one that makes you feel like a woman, and then your progesterone is your calming one. So remember your progesterone is your calming hormone and the synthetic version is not as good as the real thing. By contrast, a kind of more recent study published in the ago concluded that depression isn't a common side effect of birth control pills this study maintained that the link between the two is still unclear and and remains unclear as the research is unclear and there is no definitive link it could be down to a variance in the pill chemical makeup and the chemical makeup of the pill itself another very important factor is there are currently a very high number of women with depression so approximately 12 million people um in the us um, experience 12 uh, sorry 12 million women in the us experience clinical depression each year this could be down to timing or it could be down to consumption of the pill it is very hard to say there may be no link there may be a link it's very hard to say even though the research is not definitive most pill manufacturers will list depression as a common side effect to cover themselves and cover their asses if you feel you may have depression it is important to know that there are support out there for you you know your body better better than anyone so don't forget that if you're on birth control pills and experience depression for the first time, call your doctor. You should also call your doctor if previous depression methods worsen. So hair loss. So birth control pills can cause hair loss in women who are especially sensitive to the hormones in the pill or, or who have a family history of hormone related hair loss. So birth control pills cause the hair to move from the growing phase to the resting phase too soon and too for too, for too long. Another factor that may come into play <coughs> that a lot of women May think may not be applicable to them is the fact if baldness runs in the family. So, birth control pills can speed up the hair loss process. So, hair loss p- can happen when you switch from one pill to another uh, and can also happen during pregnancy as well. So, other hormonal birth c- methods can also ha- cause or worsen hair loss, including hormone injections, skin patches, progestin implants, and vaginal rings. So, what can you do to actually treat the hair loss itself? So It's normally temporary. It should stop within a few months after you get your body used to the pill. Hair loss should also stop after you've been off the pill for a while. So if the hair loss hasn't stopped and you don't see regrowth, you need to talk to your doctor. There has been some evidence with minoxidil at about 2% strength, but it's best to check in with your doctor on this before you try anything. So do not try minoxidil without talking to your doctor. So please do mention that treatment when talking to your doctor if you if this is you as you consider birth control methods think about your family history and if there's the the, the 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 genetic predisposition to boldness um, if hair loss runs in your family look for pills that contain more estrogen than progesterone so because these pills can have other side effects talk about the risks and the benefits with your doctor okay so then we've got post pill acne so for women birth control can be an option for treating acne because it regulates hormones that cause breakouts so birth control use and acne breakouts are linked but in most cases for positive reasons one of the main reasons for out of acne is the presence of male hormones particularly androgens and androgens are found in both men and women so if you are listening to this and you've got PCOS excess androgen may be one of the symptoms that you may be uh, currently have so if you've suffered with acne before going on the pill you may see it reappear after. This is due to it not getting to the root cause of why the acne occurred in the first place. So if you had acne when you were younger, then it's likely you were prescribed the, the combined oral contraceptive as this can be effective from managing acne around the time of your period. The progestin-only pill or contraceptive implant, on the other hand, can kind of sometimes make skin worse. So quitting the pill could actually make your skin better long term. The reason that the combined pill is prescribed to manage acne is because taking both estrogen and progesterone, sorry, progesterone lowers the number of androgens in your actual body. So androgens are a group of hormones which contain testosterone, which is the male hormone and these hormones stimulate the skin to produce sebum. So a woman's ovaries and adrenal glands can normally produce a low level of androgens, but if you naturally have higher levels of androgens, then the pill suppresses them. So, As we've already established, quitting the pill doesn't cause acne, it just removes the treatment that was controlling the problem. So when you stop taking the pill, your ovaries will try to return to normal hormone levels, which can lead to an androgen rebound, meaning the acne may reappear. This means that the oil glands in your skin start producing more oil or sebum, which triggers acne. This sebum is often heavier than which was produced when you were on the pill. This sebum then gets stuck in the pores and blocks them causing blackheads behind which bacteria grows leading to more severe forms of pimples such as cysts and postules. There are other reasons why your skin flares up after quitting the pill also. Firstly it's well documented that the pill depletes many of the nutrients that your skin needs to stay healthy and also depletes the nutrients and blocks the nutrients going in through food. So when you quit the pill, Your zinc levels will be depleted, which also contributes to acne and breakouts. This is because zinc helps to regulate testosterone, the male hormone, and it kills the bacteria on the skin that causes acne. It reduces keratin production that causes pores or blocks pores, should I say. So less zinc equals more breakouts. Secondly, you might kind of experience um, breakouts, Because taking the pill consistently also affects your gut flora, which I spoke about a second ago, which can also cause inflammation in your skin as well. So you'll need to take care of yourself inside and out to manage your post-pill acne. So how long does kind of post-pill acne kind of uh, last for? Uh, It's hard to say. Uh, It really varies from person to person, but most pill acne typically peaks between around three to six months after ditching the birth control pill and can take months to treat. It won't go away on its own. So treating your post pill acne will require c- sticking to a consistent skin care routine for for months. Um, But talk to your doctor, talk to a dermatologist uh, and seek the support that you actually do need. So what can you actually do? So some treatments that may include or may help. Um, some say dairy, but there's currently no link between dairy and acne. It's normally a danger in the dose. Um look at digestive issues like IBS, look into the possibility of histamine intolerance, look into zinc, look into skincare routine, look into stress, stress. Uh Bourbon, so please note that bourbon is not safe for long-term use and should be taken for no longer than eight weeks so if you have good issues please be mindful that this can aggravate the problems and then there's also DIM. So although post pill acne can be difficult to manage and can really knock your confidence. I suffered from acne as a teenager, so I know how debilitating it can feel and be. I still have scars on my cheeks from it. Uh, there are lots of things that you can do to manage it. Remember, the pill is only masking the symptoms, so it will not be the long term answer. If you are still struggling with the acne, making an appointment with your your doctor or dermatologist go be the next move for you. So then, there's also a thing called post-pill PMS. So as it says in the tin. So when you stop the pill, you may find that you get a new syndrome that you may not have had before and it come back with a vengeance and that is called PMS. So the reason for this is due to having cycles for the first time in a very long time or ever. The cycles that you were having before were pill cycles and were due to synthetic hormones being pumped into the body, the progestin and the estradiol, which I spoke about earlier. So while the cycle, post-pill cycles are your naturally occurring hormones and it can take time to uh, a for this natural up and down to kind of regulate and stuff the question that may come into your mind is if this if this is like what life is or if I can do without PMS why do I need to have a real period the answer is that your real hormones are better for your health so check out kind of like other episodes I've done on PMS and there's an amazing book Lara Bryden's book is incredible on that as well there's post-pelamenorrhea and then there's post peel PCOS so if you have come off the pill and you, don't, you haven't got your cycle back yet, you need to ask the important question, what was your cycle like before? So if you don't have a cycle for, or a period for several months, you may have known what's known as kind of post-pill amenorrhea. The pill prevents your body from making hormones involved in ovulation and menstruation. So when you stop taking the pill, it can take some time for your body to start producing these hormones again. So if your cycle was irregular before, then there was, was an issue then, and the pill is simply ma- masking the issue. You may get to the root cause of what was happening if you want for your body to work for you, but think of a Band-Aid over a broken leg, and that's what comes to mind for me. If your cycle was regular before now, uh, they're they are irregular, and after coming off the pill, then you have post-pill PCOS or post-pill amenorrhea. So please check out the, please listen to the post the, the kind of like the PCOS episodes I've done with MJ or the episodes I've done solo episodes or the ones that we've done with Dallas as well. So menstrual periods typically resume with kind of within normally around three months after you stop taking the pill, but if you take the pill to regulate cycles, it may take several months before your period comes back. So you you start look back at what it was like before and look at where it's at now and have they levelled off? But if you don't have a period within three months, take a pregnancy test to make sure you're not pregnant, and then also go and see your doctor. Um, if you are trying to have an active sex life. This section would could also be helpful so one of the big lessons that's kind of come in recently with kind of clients and stuff like that because we help an awful lot of uh, women with the kind of the, the pill stuff and stuff and one of the things is that they find that sex drive can go up and down they're kind of worried that it can that they're going to be worried to get pregnant which is completely understandable so One of the big things that's kind of come in as a question from one of our clients and if she's listening she'll she'll know who it is i'm not going to mention names but she'll know who it is so it's a very difficult hard question to answer so studying sex libido sex drive and sexual pleasure is very complicated so your sex drive and sexual pleasures are implicated by your physiology psychology societal expectations and the interactions between these we still don't really have a great understanding of the kind of female sexual anatomy or female orgasm. So the likes of Jenny Keane uh, is doing incredible work and she's blowing up over lockdown doing her orgasm online classes and on how to educate women and their partners and actually have sex and oral sex and sex and orgasms and stuff like that. So check out Jenny. So here's what the research actually says about each type of birth control and the kind of like the link with sex. So the combined hormonal contraceptives. So this type of birth control as a recap, includes the combined hormone, which is oral contraceptives or the pill, the vaginal ring and the hormonal patch. So these forms of birth control contain a form of estrogen and progestin, which is estradiol and progestin, and the combined hormonal um, works by suppressing ovulation and thickening your cervical mucus. So studies into the effect of kind of the combo pills on sexual functioning do not agree, uh, do not all agree, uh, with one another Uh most studies have found no impact or improved sexual functioning among users of the pill. Uh, in a 2013 study a review of studies published between the 1970s on the pill and sexual function, researchers found that more than six in ten people using the pill had no changes in libido, more than two in ten had an increase in libido, and about one in ten did not report a decrease in libido. So, different formulations or difficult chemical makeups and the varying number of days a person takes a hormone pill versus a non hormone pill or a placebo pill may impact sexual functioning. So, pill regimens that have more hormone containing pill days than the common 21 7 day placebo day pill orientation may be likely to improve sexual functioning. So lower amounts of oestrogen may cause more changes to sex drive than higher amounts. And this is called a dose-response relationship. So in the 2013 study, all people using pills with the smallest dose of oestrogen available, so 15 micrograms, reported having a decreased libido, while people using the pill with higher doses of oestrogen reported mostly no change or an increase in libido. The number of people using low-dose pills was small there's only about 140 people so it's difficult to say if these results are applicable for everyone. So some studies have looked at more than just libido. A 2016 randomized control trial examined how people using one formulation of the pill differed essentially from people using a placebo i.e. the pill that contains no drug and in seven areas of sexual function, they found that people in the pill group were more likely to report decreased sexual desire, arousal, or pleasure. However, a decreased arousal and desire did not seem to mean less sex or less good sex. Both groups report about the same number of sexual, kind of satisfying sexual episodes, and the same scores for questions about orgasm. So, one way CHCs um, combined hormonal contraceptives may kind of negatively impact sex is by lowering the level of testosterone in the body and lower testosterone is thought to decrease sex drive but the relationship between testosterone and sex drive is not well understood and not understood well enough and people with abnormally high levels of testosterone such as people with PCOS don't necessarily have higher libido. However, people with consistently low libido sometimes benefit from testosterone supplementation so talk to your doctor. So in a 2016 randomized randomized trial Researchers found that people using the pill had lower testosterone levels than they did at the beginning of the study, and lower levels than the placebo group at follow-up. Despite the difference, testosterone levels were not associated with any difference in sexual function, suggesting that the lower east lower testosterone may not be the cause for the reported uh, difference. So then we've got the kind of like the, the the ring and the and the patch. I'm conscious that there's an awful lot of information in this episode, um, so. If you need a break, I don't blame you. So, like, there's an awful lot of this, there's a lot of studies and stuff like that. So, it's important to, um, it's important to, like, take a break and stuff like that. I can feel my voice already kind of quavering because there's so much to it. And a lot of it's kind of like studies, a lot of it's kind of like in depth analysis and stuff. So, it can be overwhelming. And I'm just trying to give you as big a picture of stuff that you can make your own decision at the end. And that's all I can ever do as kind of like a practitioner as a nutritionist as a coach as a PT like that's all I can really do and this is kind of like the guidance that we kind of go in with our clients the in depth stuff that we go in with our clients and give them provide the information rather than telling you guys what to do we're kind of like well here's the information you guys have to decide now so like no one can really push anything on top of you it's important for you to be careful where you getting your information from one uh, and not just look up Dr. Google because Dr. Google will tell you what you want realistically if you look hard enough or not even look hard enough (laughs) Um, so the next one that we're going kind to of talk about is the ring and the patch so the hormonal vaginal ring uh, and patch are less studied than the pill so we need to take into account when reading this information below so one review study found that users of the ring were three times more likely to report vaginal wetness and less likely to report vaginal dryness as opposed to people using the pill so both The pill and ring users reported improved sexual functioning including higher scores in sexual pleasure and orgasm as compared to people using non-hormonal methods so in a randomized control trial where people were assigned to the combined pill or the ring both pill and ring users reported higher sexual functioning at three and six months so certain types of uh, chcs or combined hormonal uh, controls extended use uh, packs that have uh, twenty-day hormone, twenty-day, twenty-four-day hormone pills, uh, and continuous packs—packs packs that have uh, people using hormone-containing pills for a few months—can also reduce the frequency of the menstrual migraines and negative premenstrual symptoms, which may improve a person's mood and overall sex life. So then we look at the the next one, which is the progestin-only contraceptives, so the pill or the mini pill. So, progestin only pills are pills that contain progestin, so they don't contain any estrogen or estradiol uh, or contain any estrogen. They work primarily by thickening cervical mucus. There are very few studies that have looked into sexual functioning among kind of progestin only users, so that has to be taken into account with the research as well. So, it needs more research. In a study um, that I found where participants used combined pills, progestin only pills, and the vaginal ring for three months each, People reported higher sexual interest during the three months that the use the vaginal ring as compared to either pill type. So researchers have, have found that the types of birth control affected participants' testosterone levels. Um, this relationship was modified by genetics, specifically the sensitivity of androgen receptors, or the proteins on cells that read androgens in each participant's uh, kind of like uh, testosterone as a type of androgen. So interestingly, a study that included participants from Scotland and Philippines, the progestin-only pill had no impact on sexual interest or activity at four months in comparison to a placebo. So interestingly, the combined pill had a negative impact on sex for participants from Scotland, but not for the participants from the Philippines, suggesting that physiology and/or socio cultural experiences may impact on uh, kind of social uh, acceptability, which is uh, which is interesting. So then they've got the kind of like the the injection, which is the progestin-only um sometimes better known as Deepa Provera and they're kind of like this is the form of con- contraception that only contains progestin so there is not much research on the impact uh, of this on the actual sex drive itself so the studies that I found one study in the US uh, found that's after six months of use people using DMPA were two to three times more likely to report that they were lacking interest in sex than people using the copper IUD which does not contain any hormones so in a study conducted in Kenya about 1 in 10 people using DM, DP, DMPA reported kind of like um, re- reduced libido during 6 months of use and 2 out of 15 so 1/5 who stopped using DMPA reported reduced libido. So DMPA doesn't necessarily have a negative effect on everyone though. In the, in the kind of the Kenya study that I spoke about there was no average change in sexual interest or arousal and the average scores for enjoyment uh, and orgasm increased. So another study among kind of adolescents between the age of around 14 to 17 found no difference um, in reported sexual interest with, between users of DMPA uh, or users of combined pills and people who didn't use hormonal uh, kind of birth control methods itself. So a, hormonal, a, kind of, a study um, among adults received similar conclusions as well. So, one benefit of the shot that might improve a person's sex life is that it doesn't require taking a pill every day or using a condom to prevent pregnancy. So, someone only needs to worry about birth control every kind of eight to 12 weeks. The shot can also reduce menstrual bleeding and migraines, which may also increase the number of uh, days a person wants to actually have sex. So, there are benefits, there are negatives. So, then we've got the implant. Which is the conscious set to implant. Uh implanton is a device, uh, like that's one of the examples of it, and it's a device that contains only progestin. So less than <clears throat> I think it's one in twenty. Uh, people using the implant report or decrease in libido, though estimates, kind of estimates and estimations, kind of vary depending where you go. And this is a very small sample of people, so more research is, is definitely needed. In one study, uses of the implant were more likely to report that they lacked interest in sex as compared to the uses of the copper IUD. Despite this, few people can discontinue using the, the implant due to lost libido. So, one study reported uh, improved sexual functioning. Um, and improve sexual satisfaction after three to six months um, with the implant. So this suggests that the implant may negatively impact a small number of user sex lives but for the majority it either improves or does not change their actual sex life itself. So the implant may improve someone's sex life by reducing the stress of worrying about unintended pregnancies and that could be a a big worry and a big angst for someone. So then we've got the hormonal and copper IUDs. So two types of IUDs IUDs, the hormonal and the copper. Hormonal is kind of like the marina; uh, is the is the main one. And then in general, the hormonal and copper IUDs users kind of report that their method of birth control has no impact on or improves their sexual satisfaction. So, one f- study found that nine out of ten people, so ninety percent, nine zero percent, using either type of IUD had no change in libido, and three out of ten, so thirty percent, three zero, reported increased sexual spontaneity the kind of like the hormonal ied has also been associated with more sexual desire, decreased sexual pain and lower levels of sexual dysfunction compared to function before using the ied or compared with people not using contraception. So, like the implant and the shot, ieds are a great choice for people who don't want to think about their their birth control every day. Ieds are also one of the main effective forms of birth control. Although hormonal iud users may initially experience prolonged or abnormal bleeding the hormonal iud tends to decrease uh, menstrual bleeding and menstrual pain after a few months of use which may improve a person's sexual experience so what to do if you think your birth control is kind of negatively affecting your sex life so choosing a birth control um isn't a lifelong commitment even if you decide to use the implant or an iud you can always have them removed before they expire personal choice If you're otherwise happy with your method, you may want to consider uh, if things are going on in your life, such as stress or relationship with your partner and maybe causing your change in sexual function as opposed to your birth control. If you're new to starting a method, you could consider waiting a few months to see if your body adjusts to the new method of birth control. That could be one option. However, it's 100% your decision as to when to stop using an actual birth control itself. You You want to wait to change months. Sorry, you... How do I say this? You don't want to kind of have to wait to change months if you don't want to um, or don't have to wait months to change if you don't really want to. So whether you're using birth control or not, you can apps like, you can use apps like Natural Cycles, Clue, kandara, or even a pen and paper to track both your sexual frequency and sex drive on top of when your cycle is, if you're having a natural cycle or whatever it may be. And tracking can help you make an informed decision about starting, stopping or switching methods of birth control. So, like if you're going on off on off on off it may not be the mess the best thing for your body you your hormones are going to go left right and center you're going to feel mood go left right and center it may affect mood it may affect how you feel which could lead lead into like the whole thing of kind of like when mood's low you could be reaching for more food, all that kind of stuff. So it's coping mechanisms on top of that. So it's it's it, you need to understand how your actual body works for you on that side of things. Um. So like one of kind of the, the big things that kind of comes in with the with the pill is some of the, con- the frequently asked questions and I'll, I'll put these in as well um, like please stick with me I know the Consciousness is over 45 minutes episode already um, like this is one of these episodes I've been meaning to do for ages and like Dallas and Jane and I had booked in time to do it um, but something else took priority with some stuff that's kind of coming up in the next little while uh, so I had to take the initiative and book it for myself so some of the questions that kind of make, come in are do you get a real period on the contraceptive pill so the answer is no The bleeding when you get on your pill is not the same as the menstrual period your period on the pill is technically called a withdrawal bleed which refers to withdrawal of hormones on your pill and in your body the drop in hormone levels causes the actual lining of your uterus the endometrium to shed this bleeding may be slightly different than the period you have had before taking the pill it also may change over time when taking the pill next question what exactly is happening to my body do i ovulate on the contraceptive pill no so, if you're taking the pill consistently and correctly, you shouldn't ovulate. That's what's meant to stop ovulation. Nope. This is the primary way the pill prevents pregnancy. In a in a usual no cycle, no pill cycle, should I say? Uh, the body's natural reproductive hormones fluctuate up and down, using to, kind of, taking your body through a process of preparing an egg for release, releasing that egg and preparing your uterus to accept a potentially fertilized egg. So, the hormones in the contraceptive pill stop or prevent your ovaries from from preparing and releasing eggs. Mm -hmm. So they stop the usual hormone cycling, including ovulation, the typical growth in the endometrium and the natural period. So why is my bleeding different on the the contraceptive pill itself? The contraceptive pill prevents the lining of your uterus, your endometrium, from growing thicker. As, as it would in a typical menstrual cycle. It also prevents ovulation and uh, the typical cycling of reproductive hormones when you have withdrawal bleeding as well. So the bleeding tends to be lighter than normal menstrual bleeding. So it's also to ha- possible to have a withdrawal, ble- a no withdrawal bleeding, or only spotting during the days you take inactive pills or no pills. This is kind of more common for people taking the higher doses of estrogen or a pill with a shorter or no hormone free interval. So most pill packets I think have seven placebo pills, but check your pack boxes and info sheet before you kind of, or talk to your healthcare provider. So what kind of, next question was, what kind of bleeding is considered normal while on the contraceptive pill? So unexpected spotting for the first few months while taking a new pill. So talk to your kind of healthcare provider if that's still happening after three months. Withdrawal bleeding that is lighter or shorter than your period before you were taking the pill. So then there's withdrawal bleeding that changes slightly over time while on the pill. And then having little or no bleeding during your placebo week after taking your pills correctly. So one of the other questions that came in then was I'm having unexpected bleeding on the contraceptive pill. What do I do? So this is called, this can be called spotting. So spotting can happen outside of your usual withdrawal bleed time. This is called breakthrough bleeding. So it doesn't mean that your pill isn't working, but it can be frustrating to deal with. So up to one in five uh, experience breakthrough bleeding when first taking the contraceptive pill. So it's about 20% of people. So it is important to actually to to kind of usually, it's, it's not usually a, a cause for concern um, and often will stop over weeks or months, but others will need to try a different pill brand with different levels of hormones. So many experts kind of recommend choosing a pill with the lowest dose of estrogen. And only change to higher dose if breakthrough bleeding is a persistent problem. But your doctor and your nurse or your medical provider should be talking to you about that shit. So spotting can also be caused by missed pills as the drop in hormones that can cause a small amount of kind of withdrawal bleeding. So one of the, the kind of the big concerns with the, the with the pill is will I gain weight on the pill? So this is a very common thought, and I've done an episodes, I was on Brian Keane's podcast talking about this, so if you want to listen to it in more detail, um, I was on Sean Casey's podcast talking about it, we've done podcasts on it before, we kind of female fat loss myths, so I'll give a kind of a quick synopsis there, because consciousness episode's going to be quite a long episode, there's probably about another four or five main points to kind of make, and studies have found that, and have shown that the effect of the birth control pill on weight is kind of quite small and if it exists at all and um, so the truth is very it's a very real possibility that women differ in their exposure to weight gain and the, and the weight gain in response to the use of hormonal birth control so women tend to report different physical emotional and other side effects from different types of birth control and it would seem reasonable to assume that the metabolic effects could actually differ so there's actually some indication that women already carrying more body fat are more likely to gain fat from birth control. So there may be an interaction here with either the pre-existing physiology or the lifestyle factors such as diet or activity. But generally with age, there is a, is a kind of gain in body weight and some studies have found that the weight gain that occurs with hormonal birth control is about the same as what is seen when using, with women using non-birth control or nothing at all. So research would actually show that black women are more prone to weight gain with birth control. So hormonal birth control may be getting blamed for what is primarily nothing more than age or lifestyle-related weight gain, but the change in body composition that may happen and may be occurring actually can't be ignored. So body composition or decreasing or weight gain increase is not ideal for anyone. Um, well, it appears that most forms of birth control have minimal impact on body composition or decreasing or weight increasing so even in the absence of true or kind of even significant weight gain a worsening of body composition is never good and it looks like the overall effect of most birth forms of birth control on, on kind of body weight appears to be mild at best so we can't really blame uh, the pill for weight gain. So, if you're looking for more information on this kind of, and you're a PT or you want to, uh, it's quite in depth. You kind of go in, kind of look at Lyle McDonald's work, in particular the Women's Book Volume One, um, and or as you go on to Dr. Stacy Sims, uh, Dr. Stacy Sims is on the podcast, um, and it, it could be something to look into. So, another question that kind of comes in is, if you plan to have a baby, hasty and after stopping birth control pills can you actually conceive? So, usually. Ovulation begins kind of again a few weeks after stopping birth controls and um, so as soon as you ovulate again You can get pregnant and if this happens during your first cycle of the pill You may not have had a period at all. So take a pregnancy test if you had unprotected sex and your period hasn't returned Is there an advantage to waiting a few months after stopping the pill before trying to conceive? It's a good cool question and um, so conceiving immediately after stopping the pill does not increase um, Your risk of miscarriage or harm to the fetus the hormones in birth control pills don't remain in your system. So usually periods start again a few weeks after stopping the pill. However, if your periods were infrequent before you started taking the pill, they will likely be what gonna kind of be that way again after you stop taking the pill. So maybe a couple of months before you regur- return to regular ovulation cycles. So after stopping the pill, you're and if you're ready, if you're not ready to conceive, consider kind of using a, a form of backup uh, or a backup form of birth control or condom. So, what happens if I take birth control pills while pregnant? Uh, I wouldn't worry uh, if you kept taking your birth control pill because you didn't know you were pregnant, uh, despite kind of like years of kind of accidental, despite years of this accident happening there's kind of very little evidence that exposure to the hormones in, in kind of the birth controls causes actually birth defects. Once you learn that you're pregnant, stop taking the birth control pill. So check in with your doctor if you have any worries and they'll be able to talk you through um, anything on that side of things. Um, the next question that kind of came in was, can I use several birth control pills at once for emergency contraception? So it's possible to use standard estrogen, or sorry, estrogen um, and progestin birth control pills for emergency contraception. But you need to check with your doctor for the proper dose and timing of the actual pills itself. So certain types of pills are specifically designed to keep you from becoming pregnant if you've had unprotected sex. These medications are sometimes referred to as the morning after pill. So morning after pills contain um, either levonorgesterol, uh, so Plan B one step, Econtrace, one step or others. And... Um, or else there's like Ella or um that's the, the kind of other ones there as well. So leaving pills are available over the counter to anyone. Levin pills are work best when used um as soon as possible and um, within three days after unprotected sex. Um and then the 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 other one um that is kind of like a non-hormonal medication is available only by prescription. Uh, and this medication is taken as a single dose with fi- within five days after unprotected sex. So then there's the the kind of the copper IED, the, uh, the copper in uterine device, uh, or an IUD, uh containing 52 milligrams of levonorgestrel may also be used for emergency contraception. Ideally, these kind of like IEDs should be placed by your doctor within five days of kind of unprotected sex. But you need to talk to your doctor about those. So how much do you weigh? Reduce the effectiveness of emergency birth control pills. So. Once again, talk to your doctor, talk to your specialist. But if you're kind of considered obese with the kind of uh, BMI, even though it's like an outdated method uh, of thirty or more, emergency contraception may not be uh, may not be as effective, especially if if you use kind of levonorgestrel. So you could still become pregnant after using levonorgestrel for emergency contraception. BMI is not as much of a concern uh, when using the other method, which I spoke about. So use of an IUD for emergency uh, birth control pill is not affected by weight gain or body weight. Uh, I should say body weight. So these lists of questions are kind of come in from our clients on a, daily way, on a day-to-day basis. That's the level of stuff that we go in with our clients. So I've taken birth control pills for years and want to stop. Can I stop at any time or should I finish my current pill packet? In terms of your overall health, it makes a little difference when you stop taking the pill. When you finally do stop taking your pill, you can expect some bleeding, which may change the rhythm of your actual cycle, but you can stop at any time, but talk to your doctor if you have any concerns. Can you get pregnant when during the week of the inactive pills? So taking the inactive pill doesn't put you at a higher risk of unintended pregnancy. But if you're taking birth control pills exactly as directed, they're about 99% effective of preventing pregnancy. So but if you Miss a pill or several pills during a cycle, you might be at a higher risk of unintended pregnancy during that cycle. So, to be safe, use a backup form of contraception such as a condom, especially if you miss several pills during a cycle. But doctor, doctor. So, how do birth control pills affect cancer risk? So, kind of alluded to this already, um, but most data show that kind of birth control pills don't increase your overall risk of cancer. Some say they do, some they don't, but the overall risk generally seems to be that they don't. So, scientific research actually. Evidence suggests that birth control pills for using them for longer periods of time increases your risk, uh, such as cervical cancer, but the risk declines after you stop using them. Uh, so, regarding the risk of kind of breast cancer, the, re- the, kind of the results are mixed. Some studies show a link between birth control uh, use and a slight increase in breast cancer, but the risk seems to be quite low. Uh, other studies have shown no significant increase in breast cancer risk. And risk appears to decrease over time after discontinuing birth control pills. So if you have a family history of breast cancer, um, birth control does not really appear, but uh, to appear to increase the risk. we you need to talk to your doctor on that. The birth control pill may decrease your risk of other types of cancer, including ovarian cancer and cancer, colon cancer. And this benefit may persist uh, for years after the pill. Um, one of the interesting ones that kind of has come in over the kind of time of coaching is, do birth control pills affect cholesterol levels? Um and i remember getting this question i was like birth control pills can kind of like can can affect your cholesterol levels and there's cholesterol in all foods whether you want to believe it or not There's cholesterol in all foods uh, so how much of an, an effect depends on the type of pill you're taking and what concentration of estrogen or progestin it contains so birth control pills with more estrogen can have a slightly beneficial overall effect on your cholesterol levels so in general though the changes aren't significant and don't affect your overall health so that's a big thing so do birth control pills affect blood pressure so birth control pills may slightly increase your blood pressure so if you take birth control pills have your blood pressure checked regularly if you already have blood pressure talk with your doctor whether you should take uh, you could, any form or what form you should kind of look at so can antibiotics decrease the effectiveness of birth control pills so antibiotics do not Interfere with the effectiveness of birth control pills. Be so to, to your doctor, except in the case of one antibiotic. Um, so, which is uh, rifampin, uh, this doesn't decrease the effectiveness of birth control pills in preventing ovulation. But this antibiotic isn't widely used today. So, in conclusion, to all this kind of stuff that I spoke about, is kind of like it, freedom is off the pill. So the pill is such a personal, personal choice, and you need to remember that. When you come off the pill, it will allow you to understand your body like you've never understood before. It allows you to become in tune with your body. It allows you to understand your body. It allows you to like appreciate that a little bit more. Um, I'm neither for it or against it. I'm pro-choice. It serves a purpose. Managing heavy flow, et cetera. Managing endometeos, sustain a few. But if your goal is overall health long-term, and may be an option to link in with your doctor and have a chat through your options alongside your partner or your family. So as you can see from like the, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, it, like, there, there are shown links to depression, hair loss, nutrient deficiencies, good health, impact on sex drive, so go back and listen to that. I've answered loads of common questions that we get on a daily basis and weekly basis on check-ins. Um, the non-hormonal birth control option, like the non-hormonal IED seems to be the best one, but your doctor will tell you what's going on. Don't forget, lads can work on them too. It takes two to tango. Um, birth control pill can cause high blood pressure and nutrient deficiency um, and some reduced thyroid function so check in with your doctor reduction in bone health which is a big one um, and issues with digestion and good health there are many benefits coming off the pill uh, one being your actual regular cycle uh, but there can also be negatives of that post acne PMS and amenorrhea so if you've got the likes of PCOS and or amenorrhea uh, you need to like go and kind of get to the actual nitty-gritty of what's actually going on. Uh, we've got Cathed uh, Stewart, hell evidence coming on um, to talk about HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea and how, what the situation there is. If you want to listen to one of the client's interviews with Una, she spoke about her journey and why it wasn't the answer for her. So there's a lot, I know there's so much in that episode, but what I want you to do is I want you to listen back to it. I want you to take notes. I want you to share it with your friends. I want you to share it on your socials. If I don't see more shares of this podcast, particularly that episode, I will go nuts. That episode is literally the go-to. There's an episode with Ashley O'Kelly with this as well on the pill. The amount of information you have on there should guide you. Link in with your doctor and your medical professional alongside it. If your coach doesn't understand what's going on, you need to link in with someone that does. If your PT hasn't taken in control of or told you take it into affect your cycle, get a new one. If you're going through perimenopause and menopause and stuff like that, I'll do a separate episode on that as well. But there are episodes of that as well out there already. The likes of Philip K and the likes of the. I did, a, I did a perimenopause uh, chat with Dallas on one of the coaches' corners. There's a few episodes out there on perimenopause and menopause already. So guys, this is the episode that I want you to listen to. I want you to learn from the most. Share it, share it, share it. Tag, tag, tag. If you've enjoyed it, please message me. If you want to work with us on a one-to-one basis, please message us and we can help you. We can guide you get you away from those silly yo-yo diets stupid slimming clubs all that kind of stuff we can get you away from that mentality if you want to come and tune with your hormones and understand how your cycle works for you when to push your training when not to push your training please do go get a coach i would highly encourage you to do it it's the best thing i ever did not to be coming to my cycle but you know what i mean and i do think this episode will help an awful lot of people so guys i hope you enjoyed the episode uh, on the pill and you found it useful